0: My grandma was from like a small village in Malaysia and she said, if you're ever lost, you don't need a map. You just have to use your map. that's your map, you just ask someone. You shouldn't shy away from challenges. Why don't you just ask a question and find out how to do something? You probably will grow because you took a chance. If you're not feeling stupid, at least once a week or something, you should be concerned because are you growing?
1: that certified badass at the top is michelle cheng and this registered mama's boy is basil jared you are officially listening to the process michelle may sweet chang a dope name for a dope human is a media advisor and television presenter she does the journalism she does the writings she does the presentings and most recently she does the foundings she's founded her own startup called Same Page. It's a dating app. We talk about Michelle's insane resume and her consistent MO of having a crack. Her life has had lots of fun twists and turns and this conversation took exactly the same path. This podcast is brought to you by the random jelly bean I just found on the floor. Will I eat it? Probably not. I think it's purple. Enjoy the episode my friends.
0: journalist so I'm always on the other side of the interview it's interesting to be on the the flip
1: side talking to like a journalist or someone in marketing or comms it's like they just know what you're after <laughs> it's like cheat code
0: yeah I guess I guess so but I mean if you just want to come to the table and have a genuine conversation you can take your journalist hat off I guess
1: I don't know how to pitch it because my friends have a podcast and they kind of they kind of pitch it as a conversation and it is and they ask questions if i look at my general conversations i probably do too much of the heavy lifting i don't want to look at like the the split it'd be like 60, 40 or something. So I try and take more of a back seat and make it a, an interview. So I don't know. Are you Are you pretty comfortable with doing this kind of stuff? Being interviewed? Yeah. To
0: be honest with you, I run a writing class. As a portion of that, I teach people how to either interview or be interviewed, right? And usually I find people have one role in which they're more comfortable. So for me in my everyday life, I, I definitely feel more comfortable being the questioner. Yeah. Uh, so, so like you with the 60-40 split, I find I ask a lot of questions. Hmm. I really enjoy getting like the most out of people. But, but at the end of the day, when, when you operate in that role, you're not letting people get to know you as well as you could, right? Because you're controlling the conversation.
1: Uh, how much of your background in law and stuff helps with your questioning?
0: Oh, so I studied law and I practiced briefly uh in, in a boutique firm. I uh, divorced a couple, sexy French couple, and I <laughs> No, seriously. I was like, I, I rocked up at court and she's like wearing this like little green suit and he looks like a silver fox and they're speaking in French and I'm like, Oh, you're all so sexy, why are you getting divorced? You know? Yeah. Yeah, mm, damn. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I did that. I just tried it out for a bit and I found Law wasn't for me because you're not really operating with people on an equal level, if you think about it, right? Um, So say someone comes into a law office, they're probably not going through the best time in their life. And when you represent them in court or against another party, you're in an adversarial role. So you're you're doing these questions. And I, I mean, I guess you are coming into it, trying to get information and also trying to build a case for your client. But I, I didn't enjoy it that much because it was too restricted, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, totally. So how long did it take you to come to that realisation?
0: Oh, I just, I just studied and I did like one contract. That was like three months and I was like, bye-bye, I'm out of here.
1: Was there ramifications to that? Did you feel any pressure to stick it out?
0: Not, not really. Like for me, like when I, when I started law, I didn't really do it because I wanted to become a lawyer. I just thought... I think it would give me a good set of skills. Do you know what I mean? That are transferable to other areas. Yeah. Um, So, I I mean, in terms of like that questioning skill set, I think when you study law, you do learn how to analyze um, like pretty complex situations, how to break it down and how to think really logically um, in a structured fashion. And I I think that is quite transferable to journalism and, um, and other areas of your life, you know, problem solving
1: yeah hell yeah kind of in prep for this interview you sent me through your resume and i i want to put it out there i'm just like i'm glad i was in a good headspace when i read through it because talk about overachiever holy shit you have done so much so international studies to law a diploma of legal practice in the supreme court and then you scroll down a little bit and you're a panelist on a game show make that make sense to me tell me (laughs) tell me the backstory
0: oh yeah it's um it's a bit of a, a wild uh journey i guess like yeah i did that thing you know you study at uni um i just did an arts degree then i studied some law and i was like oh really in debt now <laughs> 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 i was like oh god um anyway uh so i guess during during uni i would uh, sort of like freelance write the music websites at the time like the one i wrote for is defunct now um so they would send me to, um, to shows and I would write them up and I would just get paid and, oh, well, you got to see the show. Um, but this, that, was, that was cool. But, um, I, I guess attitude has been always have to have a crack and see what happens. Right. So I guess when I, when I finished law, like the, the economy was actually pretty bad and I had a lot of friends, unlike myself who Found it really hard to actually get a, a position in the law. So I just took like a, you know, short contract, tried that out. It didn't work out for me. It wasn't my thing. So that year was kind of crazy. I think I had like four jobs that year and I kept on getting fired from like all of them.
1: <laughs> oh my God. What do you mean? Yeah. Tell me. You can't just say that. Give us more. Well, it was just like
0: kind of um, a bit of a shit year. Do you know what I mean? Like when people say, oh, you graduate from uni like keep trying things will work out in the end sometimes it takes a long time for things to work out and you have to really push through so I I finished that law job and I didn't know what to do then I started working for this really unusual real estate marketing company (laughs) but it was strange it was I I, I won't name the company but their business model was premised on renting out office space and hiring women and uh, forcing them to wear like pantyhose makeup and smile all the time to clients (laughs) God. Yeah, but I, I mean, that, yeah, I, I, I went into the company. But it was really interesting in that I guess I learned some marketing skills. But what would happen is I would ask a lot of questions like, oh, how do I do this and that? And I was told to stop asking questions and smile more. <laughs> oh,
1: Jesus.
0: <laughs> so so that, that, that didn't work out. Um, then I became a cocktail waitress because I was like, hmm, yeah, sounds fun. And that was pretty cool. It was in this bar and they ran a lot of like jazz and punk music, I guess, like live gigs. So that was like super fun, really nice people. And it was just, it was just cool to do something of a bit different an experience in my life. And then I worked on the Royal Commission into Child uh, Sexual Abuse, actually, for one of the churches reviewing cases, which was um, really uh, quite quite heartbreaking. That was a short-term contract. And, and, and then I came to the end of that year and I was exhausted. I was like, oh my God, I've been hustling the whole year and nothing worked out. It was just like quite depressing. So I was um, sitting at home unemployed and watching tv right so i (laughs) i always liked um playing game shows and doing quizzes and such when i was a little kid and i I watched like the chase and i was like oh you know what like i could probably apply to be a contestant i mean i'm like unemployed i'm covered in chip crumbs what am i I doing with my life yeah (laughs) i applied i went on the show as a contestant and i won like a Not insignificant sum of money, and I was like, "Oh, stop it!" I just just bought a one-way ticket out of Australia and just travelled for a bit.
1: That's awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's um, yeah, what happened, sort of.
1: That's so crazy. Okay, all right, and I mean, there's so many ways we can go with that. I love that. Like, how young were you when you started doing the like? I'll just have a crack.
0: Oh, that's a good question. I guess I was. It was maybe towards the end of my law degree, so I would have been like twenty. Five or 26, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was probably after that year I kept on getting fired because I was like, oh God, you like try your best. You try to do the right thing and work, and work hard and such. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. So stuff it, just have a crack.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. You know, the worst that can happen is you get fired, get a new job, <laughs> try again
1: yeah yeah totally looking at your crazy laundry list of achievements on your cv there's lots of there's lots of volunteering and tutoring and mentoring there's some tedx stuff in there so like what's that do you do you, do you have to be doing a thousand things at once
0: yeah i i think so i was actually talking to a friend about this the other day because what what will happen is uh often like i'll try and juggle several balls at once i like to be stimulated i like to be challenged and like the worst thing that I can imagine for my life. I mean, apart from like, you know, abject poverty and um, really horrible things like that is just to be not trying just to come home every day, sit at home, watch TV and just not try for something more bigger or more beautiful. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: So why I do all these other things is I guess with the volunteering and like, like uh, teaching and that sort of thing, I feel one thing that's really important is to try and make connections with other people and say, for, for instance, you know, you're a videographer, you're a podcaster, maybe you might take it for granted in your own life that you love having conversations and, and getting the best out of people, right? But for, for many people, they they must really admire that, right? They think, how did how did Basil get to that stage? I wish I could learn from him. So I think when you connect by volunteering or teaching, you give yourself a chance to, um, I guess, hone your craft by sharing it, but also learn from other people. So what, what I've done with one of my close group of friends, they have like a range of skills. So one is a firefighter, one is a poet, one is a lawyer. I said, you know what would be cool? This was this was before lockdown. I was like, you guys know like a lot of super cool stuff. I would love to learn from you. So we have our normal catch-ups, but maybe like once a month or something, one of us will sort of like run a class on our different skills that we have.
1: That's so cool. <laughs>
0: you, you can do it with your
1: friends. Yeah. You
0: know a lot of really talented people.
1: Everyone's got something to teach for sure. That's really cool. It's like Skillshare, but like for real life Mm. and uh, for your friends. I like that. I really like that. Why is that you that's coming up with that that spark? As in? You're bringing your friends together. You're you're being like, I can do that. Like, where's that green light come from?
0: mm, Oh, okay. That's interesting. (laughs) One of the things I get the most joy out of is connecting people and helping people find good connections. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Because like, say you were going to uni, uh, that's cool. You're meeting a lot of new people there. Then you go to work. Maybe you have like one hobby. Maybe you do like, I don't know, bike riding, whatever. You're not really getting too many opportunities to meet new people. Like say when you're in your early- your friends will have house parties and you'll mix around a lot but I think I'm not sure what the age is perhaps past 26, 27 people start being like, oh you know I'm settled in my job, I have my partner, I have the way I like to do things and they I, I find they start closing off their circles and, and turning inwards mm. whether it be to create their own family which is which is a beautiful thing or to focus on their existing friends it's like their circles contract. so when you at that age and you see a lot of people in your network focusing on their, their existing circle it, for me, I I just want to keep my my world really open and keep meeting people
1: yeah I love that yeah
0: so that's that's why I like to connect people and just like you know like encourage all of us just like open our minds
1: yeah I love that it would seem like that's the perfect segue to go into your dating app but I'm not going to go there yet I want (laughs) to I want to I want to stay back a little bit before we get there you've done a lot of writing you've done a lot of humanitarian work you've worked on some big issue stuff, I think. Where does that pull come from? and and for you, is it the natural progression from writing about music festivals then to writing about refugees that have no citizenship? Tell me about that kind of progression.
0: I guess in terms of where the interest comes from, yeah, yeah, when when I was like, yeah, little kid, I think I mentioned before, it was really weird. I like to read the newspaper. Um, <laughs> yeah. my, my dad's a secondary school teacher. So from when I was like, I don't know, like really little child, we'd always get the delivery every day and I'd always sit there and read it for the cartoons, but then I think I would absorb news. And I always thought, you know, I grew up in like suburban Melbourne, which is cool. It's beautiful, very safe, but I thought, you know, what, what's out there? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, w- I wanted to know a little bit more. So my background is my, my family's Chinese Malaysian. So my parents had my two brothers and then they migrated here and had me and my sister. Gotcha. So I guess, yeah, as as a child, it, it, every now and then we'd go back on trips to Malaysia and Singapore. So I've sort of always had my foot in two doors and I always wondered how our lives would be different if my parents had never come to Australia. Mm. So with the refugees, I think I'm really passionate about that because I think, especially in Australia, we have so many resources. And I mean, apart from the First Nations people, everyone who has come here was an immigrant, right? If you really think about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, that, and that's something that might anger people <laughs> if I say that. Don't <laughs> tell ann Kennelly. Uh, no. um, <laughs> she'll, she'll be like, you're just like you, me. Um, <laughs>
1: uh,
0: no, but um, I, I think it's really important to welcome refugees and you know migrants in with open arms because we have so much abundance here and uh, like w- what life you end up with is, is just all a matter of chance and a matter of lottery, right?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. And and, and I just think that, you say your life was, you know, you're a refugee trying to come to another country or a migrant or something, it's actually really difficult. Like, I think, like, say, and I don't think anyone wakes up thinking, I need to leave my homeland. Why would you want to, right, if your family connections are there, your culture is there, everything you know? I think what might drive people to be uprooted is situations beyond their control, lack of opportunities, and it's not like they're coming to take from the people who are in their host country, but they're just trying to make a better life for themselves. Do you know what I mean? We're all we're all just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I just really think it's it's really important to um, yeah help help people make the best for themselves and just not have that attitude of you know trying to demonize people. I um, have you have you heard of the lump of labor fallacy Basil? No. Mm, okay, it's it's pretty interesting. Like now and then, I like to read economics books, but I think I heard this in a podcast or a TED talk or whatever. Um, But it's it's the fallacy that um, there is a lump of labor in a society that can be that can be done. Right. So say you have uh, migrants or guest workers from other countries coming in and the people in the existing country will say they're going to take away the jobs because there is a lump of labor that is available. Um, so it, it sort of like creates this like hostility and, and there's other situations in which it can create like um, hostility, I guess. But if you think about it, like say you had people coming and doing jobs that other people might not want to do. Let's let's say, for instance, Uber driving or something like that. Right. Yeah. Uber driving or maybe working in potentially some sort of like um, massage parlor or what, whatever. Right. Mm. When you have people who are coming in from other countries, they would genuinely do these jobs at lower wages than local people, right? Mm. Meaning that the local people have more discretionary income from what they're saving on spending on an Uber or on a massage pilot to spend in different areas of the economy, like thus creating other jobs. Mm. Yeah. So I thought that was crazy. I was like, yeah. that's cool. I hadn't thought about it.
1: Like mindset-wise, to to think that there's finite jobs and yeah, I think that that is kind of crazy. But it's out there, it's a pretty common belief to be like, well, what are the rest of us going to do? Yeah,
0: totally.
1: The lump of labour though, I never heard of that before.
0: Yeah, I, I might have butchered that, sorry to any...
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got a couple that listen in. I'd love an economist to listen to the process. That would be amazing. I butcher stuff all the time, don't don't stress. Okay, that's pretty big though. Like, So to work on the Royal Commission and then to... I'm sure you've done more, but I just I just read was on your CV, the, the Manus Island stuff and um, the Malaysian parliamentary election. What comes first, the chicken and the egg in terms of, say, the issue, wanting to write about, wanting to do something like it's a big undertaking. Like how how, how did you approach those?
0: Well, I guess I was really lucky. So after that uh, horrible year, I kept on getting fired. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I can't really lose. Much. So I went on my uni job portal and I just typed in journalists and there was only one job that popped up. It was this unusual job uh, to be an assistant reporter for a foreign correspondent from a Japanese newspaper in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, sure, why not? They can only fire me or reject me, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I was really lucky. Um, so I flew up to Sydney, was amazed by the Harbour Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, uh, yeah, I did the interview and luckily the bureau chief decided to take a chance on me. So that was almost two years I was in that job with two bureau chiefs. I was really lucky, and I worked on foreign desk stories. I'd go around across Oceania, shooting, helping with reporting, doing fixing with local contacts, and you know, research and stuff for the bureau chief. So I think in one of those years, I took like over forty flights in a year for what?
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um. So, so, so with that, that that was really interesting coming to the like like Australian the Australian news cycle from a foreign news perspective, right? Like because all these things that we take for granted are, are something that would perhaps be unusual or whether you have note for say a Japanese audience or I guess other countries news um, desks so for instance I guess in Japan they do have a bit of an issue with um, an aging population Mm. and they I guess in in order to uh, like fix that right what what do you do encourage your um, people to have more babies Uh, (laughs) sometimes that's that's like pretty hard um but then another way to fix that, uh, I guess, would be migration, right? But I guess Japan has a very strong culture, and perhaps it can be quite difficult for people who migrate there to integrate. So I think, in terms of the news focus, Australia's multiculturalism and how we've integrated different waves of migrants was quite attractive as as a news story. Mm. I was watching the SBS ad the other day, and they're like, "Yeah, we have coronavirus information in like 60 plus languages. Like, can you imagine that? That's that's crazy for a government yeah. to pour that many resources into that, right?"
1: Hundred percent. That is crazy. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, how much money does that cost? Oh my god.
1: Yeah. I feel like SGS would be so fascinating to to work at. Yeah. Oh my god. So, where did you get the confidence to be like, yeah, I'm going to be a journalist?
0: Mm.
1: Maybe. Maybe I'm not seeing something here. I understand that you're writing articles like all of the way through uni. Where does the switch get flipped? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, no. What am I What, what am I missing there?
0: No, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I, I think because I, yeah, I studied IR, like arts at uni. Yeah. But I, like a lot of my friends were journalism students. So I think one day I was like, oh, that sounds quite interesting. So I just said, how do you do it? I just asked one of my friends, like, what do you do? Like, how do you find people? Yeah. I think it might it must have been like, I mean, like a 10 minute conversation. And I thought, you know what? I could have a crack. Yeah. So I just thought... Well, like I think in life, you know how people are like, "Oh, I'll never do this thing that I want to do because it's hard and I won't be good anyway." But I'm like, "Have you tried it?" Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Yeah. It's it like at the end of the day, it's just it's just one email, and all you have to lose is your self respect. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you were like, "Fuck it!" I'm like, "I could I could be a journo.
0: Yeah. So I, I just learned along the way. I remember I was working at a, well, I was doing articles part-time. I was working at a truck company. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was like, when I had some downtime, like after working at the truck company, I would just like, yeah, do interviews. And I, I literally figured it out along the way. Yeah. I don't know. I just, um. I'm, I'm not going to say like overconfidence, but I just thought, why not? I, I think when I was younger, right, I had a conversation with my um, brother, my second brother, who I'm really close to. And he said, you, when, you, when you get hired for a job, right, I think potentially a lot of the time they hire on attitude and rapport and you can always learn to do the job, right? Yes. If you have the right attitude, you can pretty much learn to do anything like maybe not like brain surgery or something like that. But um, <laughs> I think if you, if you apply yourself and you are determined, yeah, you can pretty much learn anything
1: that's awesome I can see that in you but I can it's nice no. hearing that from you it's so funny that you say that you're the motto is just like have a crack because so many things just from the outside looking in it, it looks like you've just gone yeah I'll have a go at that I'll have a go at that yeah so tell me about then writing for the chase and then being on think tank that's is that another moment of I'll oh, I'll have a crack.
0: I'll have a crack. I'll have a crack. Uh, Yeah, well, actually, while I was working at the Japanese newspaper... I don't know why maybe they kept footage of when I was on the chase as a contestant, but they produce a randomly ring me day. I think they wanted me to be one of the chases actually. Ah,
1: right. Yeah. Okay. So they were
0: like, Oh, can you like, um, it sort of took me through a process and they were like, Oh, can you, you know, try doing these quizzes? Cause obviously if you want to be on the show, you need to like, you need to be like pretty good, like get like eight out of 10, nine out of 10, whatever, mm. because I was <laughs> going to like lose some money. <laughs> so I went through the process and I was like, Oh, it's like really hard. And I thought, it's unlikely that I'm going to get like smart enough to do 10 out of 10 questions and not lose the money. So I just thought I would really love to be a TV writer. That would be like so cool. And how on earth would you do that? You know, I'd love to be like Mindy Kling, Bibi Waller-Bridge. So I just talked to the producer and I was like, can I like cry out to be a TV writer? And he's like, yeah, sure. But obviously we'll have to take you out of a running for the other job if you do that. And I was like, yeah, no, nah, let's go for it. Let's let's have a crack. Um, so he put me through all the tests Um <laughs> like the normal process. And yeah, I was just really lucky. I um, ended up getting the job. So I was doing two jobs at once. (laughs) It was stressful.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, this whole season of this podcast, I guess the kind of conceit is that I'm talking to badasses. In my opinion, you are 100% a badass, but when I say badass, what comes to mind?
0: Badass. Um, probably my mom. She's the biggest badass, I know. Really? Yeah.
1: How's so? up? Jenny, we love you. <laughs> love you, Jen.
0: Well, my mom is just like freaking awesome. She, I think she has trained me and my three siblings to just have a crack, right? Because- Yeah. Like she's, she's just incredibly positive. She has, ah I don't know where to begin. Where do I talk about it? She can do everything. And she has just the most determined attitude. For instance, like we were at, you know, living in our childhood home one day. And she's like, you know what? I think we need a picket fence. Maybe I can learn how to build that. (laughs) And she did.
1: That's nuts. I love that.
0: Yeah. She's wild. She's like, I think she just went to Bunnings and was like, how do I do this? And they just told her and she's like, yeah. Next minute, we have, like, one picket fence. She, she told me that, like, my, my grandma, who's, who was her mother-in-law, my dad's mom, gave her really good advice when she was young. So my grandma was from, like, a small small village in Malaysia near, near Ipoh, which is one of the main um, cities. And she said, if you're ever lost, um, you don't need a map. You just have to use your mouth. that's your map, you just ask someone. Oh. So, yeah, it was, it was super cool. And I was like, that makes so much sense. So I think from that philosophy from my grandma and my mom is that you – Shouldn't shy away from challenges? Why don't you just ask a question and find out how to do something? Have crack.
1: Have a crack. Oh my yeah. god! I love that. <laughs> it's beautiful. Shout out to mum and grandma. So we got to talk about same page. You're having a crack in the biggest way at the moment. Get get me there. So so you're working a nine to five, mm. and then you decide that's not enough because you're you're a crazy cat. <laughs> And you don't like to come home and watch TV. Run me through the lead up to Same Page.
0: I guess this, you know what, this was probably only um, last year. I was sitting, I think at my five job and I was like, wow, I could be doing something more. And I learned about this um, accelerator program that was looking for new startups. And I just <laughs> sat down for a bit and I was like, oh, what could I do? What problem do I experience? And I thought, um, as I mentioned to you before, that when you get to, because I'm, I'm 30 Now, when you get to this age, it can become harder to make new friends. So I thought, imagine if you had an app where, say, like you, Basil, were going to dinner with Eli and a bunch of friends, you wanted to meet new people. What if you could throw off a spare seat and just invite anyone? Oh, wow.
1: Cool. Yeah.
0: So I submitted that idea. Because I thought, wow, oh, it sounds cool. And yeah, I was really lucky. I got accepted and I developed that. And I guess I've been sort of working on this for nearly four months, really. Like since, yeah. since April, since ISO, I guess. <laughs> oh my God, like start, working on a startup is really stressful because you have no idea what you're doing. You have to learn every step of the way. And what you'll do is, say, so you'll have a, an, an idea and you'll investigate, you'll test it out, you'll talk to people and you'll be like, oh, this is a bust. I have to abandon it. And then you have to pivot and try something again. And this has happened probably in this journey. It's probably already happened like five times. It's super stressful.
1: Really? Yeah. Take us through. We got time.
0: Oh uh, well, I guess I came from that idea, and I yeah learned techniques from some really super smart mentors and other startup founders. But eventually, we sort of landed on this problem that I've experienced in my own life, and a lot of my friends have, which is that oh my god. Dating is hard, isn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah, hell
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard. And I don't want to, well, I, I would say I'm an online dating veteran, but that sounds so depressing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, oh, God.
0: Yes. Um, basically, I've, you know, over the years, I've chatted to so many friends and myself um, included who are like, oh, Mish, I'm so fed up of online dating because I'm on Tinder, Hinge, Mumble, whatever. I'm swiping, spend all the time swiping on profiles. Profiles are kind of samey, I'll like chat to these guys and we'll just be like, Hey, how are you? Mm. You know, that sort of thing. Um, mm. And it'll fizzle out. And sometimes when you do meet, you, like, you've already sunk so much time into that process. You don't even click in real life
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: or, or you do, maybe you go out for a bit, but it turns out like, Oh, actually we, we don't have the same intentions. And you're like, Oh, you're like so sad. You're like, I spent, I invested so much in this person. And how come it took so long to find out we didn't want the same thing, you know?
1: Yeah. Wow. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Fair call. So just wait what, before we go to the next step. So how long was the pivot from spare seat to a dating app? Cause it went from like uh friend circled to romantic.
0: Oh, uh, I reckon that would be about one and a half months.
1: Okay. Oh, sweet. All right. All right. All right.
0: Yeah. Well, I think one, one and a half months, pretty, pretty much.
1: And what was the impetus? Like, what was it was just like, this is a bigger problem to solve?
0: Well, the thing is that, well, I, I came into it investigating in a few premises, right? So I thought, okay, so people want to connect. That's, I think that's the number one problem. Yeah. Whether it be with friends or romantic partners. Okay, so <laughs> be controversial, people might get angry at me, but I think people just take the path of least resistance, right? So say you are in... Having your social life or whatever, and you're like, I wish I could meet new people, but that sounds hard. I'm just going to be unhappy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, 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 hundred percent.
0: Yeah, you're like, I'm dissatisfied.
1: <laughs> yeah, it would be nice to have like a new best friend, but I don't want to put any work into it, so I'll just put up with this shitty relationship or friendship. Or yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs>
0: yeah, totally right. It's like, well, it's just like like better alternatives. Um, but I thought with making friends it's hard to be objective right because i suppose like I, I think you would be similar to myself basil but i'm really extroverted i love meeting new people i love getting out there but i think some people they're quite they're actually quite happy with the friends they have which is which is great like it's yeah. just not a source of that's not something they want but i thought <laughs> what is more universal is i think people really don't want to die alone yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes 100 percent. 100 percent. yeah
0: if like you know if that's um have and have not or whatever people will always be searching for love. You know, they've been doing it for thousands of years mm-hmm. and that's like the carrot on the stick, right? Yeah. 100%. Yep.
1: Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Exactly. So I thought, you know what? And I know so many great, like amazing um, women and men who are single and they're just like living really busy lives. And a lot of them said to me, they're like, oh yeah, I wish I, wish I could meet um, someone through friends and I've asked friends, can you set me up? But no one knows anyone. And I thought, yeah, that's ridiculous. This makes sense.
1: Yeah, it is, it's hard too, like pressure for your friend. Like I, I don't think everyone would want to necessarily step up and play matchmaker. I think that that's its own specific thing. Some people love it. Some people are annoying with it too. They're like, oh my God, I've got to set you up. And you're like, all right, I, you've tried three times and they've been horrible. So you're out, you've been blacklisted. Yeah, okay, I love that. You're saying people live really busy lives. They want to meet someone, but what's holding people back on the, the dating life?
0: That's really interesting. So, um, I mean, at, at this stage, I've been chatting to single guys and girls between 21 to 39 for the past four months. Yeah. So, I, I don't have my figures right here, but I've chatted to over 123.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: And I've, I've catalogued <laughs> everyone's complaints. So, from my first round of interviews, I tallied up everyone's main complaints about online dating, right? And the number one complaint was, it is so hard to get clarity of intention and find someone on the same page as you. Yes. I was like, oh same page, TM, love it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a great name, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that's that's what we want. right? we want someone who understands this. Yeah. But I mean, in, in addition to that complaint, other things that people were complaining about, they said the whole filtering process is just draining, right? Because I'll just pick on Tinder, for instance, but in the same for many dating apps, you could be swiping all of these different profiles, and there's not that much to differentiate them, right? <laughs> like, say it's like a you know, guys' profiles. It's like, oh, there's like one group shot of me out at drinks with my friends. One might be like, oh, I'm with a dog that I borrowed from a friend, or with girls that might be like, Oh, here's me at a wedding enjoying some champagne. And you know, here's one of me with yeah, with my girlfriend's wedding. Do you know what I mean? It's not yes. there's not much to grab onto.
1: Totally. And then, yeah. you know, if you're looking at like bios and stuff, it's like, I love movies, I love travel, I love food. It's like, oh, you enjoy being a fucking human being. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> great yeah, totally me too yeah, it's like, i love oxygen that's great other human beings i guess they're pretty cool <laughs> so people were frustrated with the the kind of cookie cutter nature of current dating apps oh
0: it depends how much you want to Get into it but yeah the things that i guess they, it was so superficial and there's not much to grab onto in profiles like the, the way i see it is that say you have tinder hinge bumble mm. quite minimal profile information and you're like basically swiping and on the other end you have like super serious dating sites like say okcupid Harmony, where it's kind of like TMI and I don't think it really appeals that much to the um I guess the millennial or the gen Z generation another thing was people were like yeah when I have the conversations with people sometimes they're like really boring or a bit of a drainer I'm so busy I might like wait a few days and then it fizzles out I just feel like they're just such shallow conversations and another thing is it's like really hard to vibe someone out over text right Mm -hmm. so those I, I think this would be like uh the main complaints it's more like I guess you're kind of dating a screen or your phone Mm -hmm. before you even get to meet the real person. When
1: you're texting, you just have so much time to think about the reply. And like a big, like key value of mine is like honesty and and authenticity. If you're laboring over a text and you have time and you're editing and re-editing, it can be just this massive projection. Like not everyone wears their fucking heart on their sleeve always like I do for better or for worse. So it's, it's, it's hard when you're trying to filter for that. So thinking about your dating app, it seems to be that you're, you're looking between the apps and between like crazy online TMI match.coms and and all like the exclusive like ones, like, you know, J-Swipe or whatever. And then the other part of the triangle I look at is say like a, a matchmaker that you pay for like mm. a, or a dating coach or something. Is that about right somewhere? In the middle of all that?
0: Yeah, exactly correct. I'm aiming to hit that that sweet spot between the super serious dating sites and, you know, like matchmaking. The ones that are like really low investment, super easy swiping. Because I feel there's like a need in the market. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think people our age, um, I would say like, I feel like an old millennial now. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of people in, in my research, apparently 75% of millennials on online dating actually want serious relationships. Right. Yeah, which which was just to, to be honest, like quite surprising to me that they do crave that connection, but there are things scuppering them from getting that, such as that draining online process, mm. swiping, getting to boring conversations. It, the the process of online dating is not fun. I don't no. think at this point.
1: Yeah. For sure. I feel like there's the initial excitement, but it fizzles pretty quickly and becomes more of a chore, you know, at times. So, is there a push for you to kind of shorten that online process and make a first date happen quicker?
0: Yeah, correct. I mean, currently I'm running beta tests. where I'm setting up male and female beta testers on virtual dates. And yeah, so, and a shout out to all the listeners if you want to join. Heyo, Hit me up, Heyo. I think the premise for me is I, I want to save time for people, yes. right? Yeah. I think that when you text people, as you said, you can think out what you're saying. Um, there can be a delay. And I don't think it's ultimately that information rich. So it's not really, yeah, that info rich. So right now I'm trying a variety of methods to see how we can get to that point of connection or assessing compatibility quicker. Mm. Right right now um we are beta testing uh video video call dates where you do a variety of activities. So there's a few that we're testing. Um so one would be online games, some are getting to know your games and I have actually built um an escape room.
1: Oh, sweet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: That's very cool.
0: Yes. I mean that I guess the premise for this, um Basil, is I think perhaps if we um especially during COVID, it's a bit of an opportunity. We're so used to being on video call and Zoom, people have lost a lot of that self-consciousness about it. Yeah. I think that imagine if you didn't have to text someone for a week, hmm. um, always be checking your phone and you could just be like, oh, this girl, Angela, she seems like pretty cool. What if I see if I can get an appointment to have a video date and play some Pictionary with her?
1: Yes, 100%. I find that on Facebook. First dates, there's just a massive shortcut for me with how you treat other people in the world. And then when kind of life just gets in your way as it does on a first date might be someone being late or like not being able to get a table somewhere or like running, bumping into someone kind of random on the street. Life comes in and then it's so interesting, you know, how the person you're with reacts. I'd never thought about it in terms of information poor and information rich the actual first date, I, I find myself coming away being, being like a pretty much like a hell yes or a no, pretty quickly mm. after after a decent first date where you do lots of stuff. Do you find that the people enjoying the activities like the prompts like it's it's helpful?
0: Um, so far, I've yeah. So I've run one round of beta tests. It, the, the results were actually quite quite surprising. Okay. Because wh- what I was thinking is that say as you mentioned, so you're on a real date in real life, you can see how your date reacts to a variety of situations, but how do we simulate that during COVID when we can't physically be around one another? Totally. My premise is that say you are doing a shared activity with your date, whether it be a game, escape room or something, you have more opportunities to see how they react to like minor annoyances, difficulties, difficulties, And um, you can assess their personality a little bit. I need to sort of look into it a little bit more, but it seems that with a little bit more information in the profile, you have more to talk about with the person on the date. And by having some sort of activity there, it takes the pressure off, right? It's it's less like a job interview and it's more like, okay, so say you were going on a date with that fictional Angela that I Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) mentioned before. Maybe you have like two hours on a Tuesday or whatever, and you're playing games. You're like, even if it doesn't work out with Ange, I probably still had fun playing a game, right?
1: Totally, yes.
0: Yeah, so it's it's like kind of less of a waste of time because there's like another incentive wrapped up in the date. You're getting to know someone, but you're also doing a fun activity which has value in of itself.
1: Yeah, and like you were saying earlier, like it's funny because I was like, oh, so you've moved away from the spare seat idea, but really like it's the opportunity to make a new friend. Tell me about compatibility.
0: <laughs> compatibility. Oh my god. Okay. Well, um, yeah, no, no, that that that's really interesting to uh, get into that, Basil. I think I've I've interviewed all of these people, these hundred and twenty-three plus people I've chatted to about what is a good connection for you. Yeah. You know, when was the last time you met up with a romantic interest? Yeah. And you felt like this is a strong connection. And the common the common theme that cropped up is the conversation flowed. I didn't know where the time went, and I just felt like we were vibing, like she got my sense of humor. He got my sense of humor. We escalated. And I was like, oh, okay, that's super interesting. So that's that level of connection.
1: How important is humor? Like, I would say maybe two or three of your questions were trying to suss out people's sense of humor. I've never seen that before. Tell me about that.
0: Oh, actually, I can tell you a bit of the findings. Go for it. So I have to, like, I have to quantify this properly, but um, just from my trends analysis, I did a second round of interviews after the first set with just men. And then just women. So I sort of batched them so I could see more patterns, right? Do you want to know what women complain about? Yeah, totally. When men approach them? <laughs> okay, so here, it, it, it seems obvious. Now I know because I've chatted to so many women. So I said, what is the worst way a guy can chat to you on an online app, right? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, okay. So there were some like obviously the overtly sexual ones where they're like, nice boobs. And they're like, oh, yeah. I don't have any pictures on my boobs. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, but other ones that were like quite boring uh, were like, just, hey, how are you? just like sort of floating questions. Yeah. So they, I guess the sentiment from the women was that when you just say, Hey, how are you? It's it's like fine. It's, it's neutral, but it just shows that you haven't really taken time to read their profile.
1: Yes. Right. Totally.
0: Yeah. So the, uh, you want to know the best, the best thing you can say to a woman on the nap?
1: Yes, please.
0: Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. So what this is tapping into is, and I'll, I'll get into what I think men want from dating as well. The women I think they want to feel that the guy is interested in them on a personal level, right? Hmm. And a big theme that cropped up was they just want men to actually read their profile because they've gone to the effort to put in pictures, put in the bio. If you really want to, like, I guess, increase your chances of a woman responding on an app, yeah. it's simple. You just say, hi, Michelle, I saw that you have a picture of yourself like rock climbing. That looks really cool. Where, where was that? I also yes. love rock climbing. So you identify something specific in their profile Mm. and ask a question about that. Totally. And, and that's easy. That's enough because it's enough to show that you, you actually were interested in her as a person. And for bonus points, what you can do, this was, this was really interesting, is so they have like four photos on their profile and it depends on the app, right? Like, like say so you might be swiping or scrolling. If you go down to the last one or the one that's at the back of the deck and you comment on that one, that's even better.
1: Yeah. Hell yeah. It's just, you know, <laughs> thorough, thorough research. I love that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. But humor, like, is that big for you? For one, I think you're a super funny cat. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but then how much does that play into compatibility?
0: Oh, okay. This is interesting. I think humor is important for women as well. But for men, the humor, compa- the, like, the humor connection was like extra important. It was really interesting, right? So, okay. This, this is my theory about how I, I, all of this stuff sounds super obvious, but I guess, like, it's cool because I chatted to people. But, like, a lot of the men, one of the important things for them was that. Okay, so say you know you're 100% weird, but you meet a new person. You're not gonna like let the 100% out,
1: like no. <laughs> right
0: away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we'll keep that for later. Um, but a lot of the men said it's really important to me that she gets my sense of humor and we vibe on that because that's how I feel best understood, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't wanna feel, and I'm sure this applies for women as well, I don't wanna feel like I have to walk on eggshells. <laughs> so you're like, your sense of humor is like seven out of ten inappropriate. You want to find someone who can like match you or escalate.
1: Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. That's great. I didn't think about that. Yeah. I mean, if your brand of comedy is dry, then it takes a very specific type of person to get around that. If you're super sarcastic, yeah, you can't be with someone that doesn't dig that. That's not going to work.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because they won't <laughs> be like, like, why are you such a mean person? I'm crying.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this relationship is great, isn't it? It's like, you, oh no. <laughs>
0: We're beta testing different things. So I'm just asking people at the moment an assortment of questions.
1: <laughs> yeah. So
0: to do with Uh, sense of humor so i've got some kind of dagging ones like pick three words that describe your personality pick three words that describe your sense of humor i've also got a voice intro you can click on that and hear their voice and like what energy they give yeah um and another one that i was trying was like oh send me a link or to a youtube or something that you recently enjoyed the premise being that i think that gives just a little bit more dimension
1: yeah totally
0: right yeah like to understand a little bit of their personality and I know it's all self-reported, but um, I just have like a bit of a theory that it doesn't matter so much what your hobbies or interests are, or whatever, because you can learn from your partner. But I think it's if you can communicate on that um, effortless sort of level of humor, I think I think that's something I want to explore.
1: Yeah, sweet. Yeah. At the moment, you're doing all the heavy lifting, matching-wise. But is that something that you want to hand over to an algorithm at, at a certain <laughs> point?
0: So I've done a lot of research with real people, real cases. are <laughs> uh, <laughs> Also judge Judy look banging. like have you seen her on a button bikini? Can I can I say that?
1: Yeah, you can totally say that. No, I haven't seen her. she oh, keeps it she's she's keeping it tidy.
0: Yeah, she's keeping it tidy. Um so I shouldn't objectify uh, respected judges. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but she's look it up. Yeah, so right now, I guess I've done the research and I'm testing a few different, I guess hypotheses about like what is the best profile and also like oh another thing just with the profiles is that I found, yeah, a lot of the women complained that they felt like guys weren't reading their profiles. So I'm trying to explore, is that because the guys are reading the profiles, but they're not commenting on it? Or is it because they're not reading the profiles? So I'm just trying to make the profiles more interesting, more readable. Do you know what I mean? Mm,
1: totally. So from yes.
0: a UX perspective and trying to think about what are the ways that people like to absorb information online? Is there a gender difference? Is there a personality difference? That's That's one thing. I guess at the moment, I just want to test out all these things, find out what people want. I just want to set people up on virtual dates, get their feedback, really build something that makes sense for them. And, and then in the future, this this could take a number of um, iterations. It could become a dating app or it could become a premium matchmaking service. Nice. Yeah. I, have, I haven't I have decided yet because um, apps are incredibly expensive to build. And I think,
1: mm.
0: yeah, mistake people make is they're like, I have an idea. I think this is great. I'm going to sink, I don't know, like a, tens of thousands of dollars into it. But then you didn't. You need to find out what people want. Otherwise, it's a bit of a vanity project, isn't it?
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. That's exciting, though. I want to ask about that. You're working full time and then you're, you're building this thing. How the fuck do you manage your time? You just said you did like, you know, a bajillion interviews as well. How did you manage all of that?
0: <laughs> oh, geez. Um, <laughs> that was really interesting. I, will, I got to this point where I was working till about 10 p.m. every night on this so I'd have my day job then I'd work till 10pm and then Saturdays and Sundays would be like back-to-backs like (laughs) a Saturday might be like eight or nine maybe eight to ten interviews like half an hour to one hour back-to-back
1: wow wow wow
0: because it's like well hard work can't kill you (laughs) can actually there's a apparently Japanese concept I think it's Kiroshi dying of hard work
1: yes yeah it's a legit thing is the fuel different is the energy different on working on the same page
0: um yeah absolutely i mean i know it sounds like kind of cheesy but i'm really motivated to help help people find love yeah because I, I i know it's 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 so damn hard it's 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 difficult I, I think like in the last what 10 maybe 15 to 20 years since online dating came in since like match.com and all of that it's really changed the way that we um interact i'm not sure what what you think um basil but like something anecdotally i heard also from the interviews um most it was pretty much all australian people's or people who live in Australia that I interviewed, um, they said they find that they don't really strike up a romantic connection like randomly. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, hmm. it's hard to have those random convos with someone that you might meet out um, because a lot of them said maybe they just assume if I was single, I would be on an app. So you could be at a bar and you could see oh, wow. a guy. Yeah, you could see a cute guy and you'd be like, oh, I wish you would come talk to me. But maybe he might quarantine that area of his life potentially. And this goes, if you flip the genders, maybe he's like, well, it's a, it's a bit of a risk if I go up to her, right? Because if I say, Oh no, Hey, how's it going? She might be like, you're a creep. Get away from me. Or she might have a, she might have a boyfriend, but if I'm on an app, at least I know she's probably single. And if we've already matched, then she's like, okay for me to talk with her. So.
1: Yeah. 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 I never thought about that. It'd be like just the assumption that it's like, well, I mean, if he was single, he would be, he would be on an app or she was single. That's that's nuts. You're keeping it like heteronormative for the beta version of this at the moment?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I have interviewed um, non-binary people, people who are, you know, LGBTIQ+. Yep. At the moment, I'm just trying to test it for the hetero people just to have a base and a, a critical mass. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, the app will be for everyone.
1: Yeah, sick. Yeah, I don't know. I just find it so exciting. I want to just ask a couple quick questions. You don't have to be quick uh, quick answers, but what are the big ten poles of a of a good day?
0: The for COVID.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, true. COVID times.
0: Okay, COVID times. Um, good day for me is get my mask and go for a nice walk, maybe get a coffee at my local cafe. And I, I really love chatting to the Barista and his his mum. They're awesome. awesome. <laughs> um, <That's> <laughs> then I would try and fit in like a social Distance walk with one of my local friends or maybe that was the thing in the morning I, I love to read so I have a few books on on the go um mm-hmm. do a few calls with friends and also do some yoga or, or dancing
1: so dancing
0: yes
1: what are we talking
0: well during ISO I just I've got really into like burlesque so I like have little routines kitschy stuff
1: <laughs> that that's I so cool posting.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I imagine that same page is equally well, maybe not equally, I don't know. What's the ratio of like frustration versus reward?
0: Uh, very frustrating, incredibly frustrating. <laughs> it's like, honestly, with the same page, like like setback after setback, but you just have to keep learning, keep getting up. And I'm, I'm really lucky that I have a lot of really good friends who are like, oh, they're so smart in their different fields, like, you know, like web design or like, you know, different areas. And they, they're t- like really generous with their time teaching me and this also sounds cheesy, but it's a really humbling process because I feel stupid every day. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever feel that? I just I feel yes. like a moron every day. <laughs>
1: That's crazy. I feel like a lot of people shy away from that, though. It's not a nice feeling.
0: No, well, it's not. Have you Have you read um Growth by Carol Dweck or Growth Mindset? That book?
1: No, it sounds right up my alley, though.
0: You should. I reckon you would love it. It's so cool. I found out about her from. Um, one of my uh, friends from South Sudan, actually, but basically her, she's, I think, I think she's a psychologist and her thing is that she's all about the growth mindset, right? So say you are in primary school, high school, whatever you're taught that you need to achieve, like learn your maths, learn your English or geography and just really do well. If you get a B plus or a 70%, that's, you know, Oh, wow. You, you kind of failed. Right. And then you learn to associate like, like shame with that. You're like, I'm not good at geography. I'm, not going to try I'm going to just do something that's easy maybe you find something like oh engineering you're really good at that and you just focus on that because you don't like the feeling of failure but um Carol Twerk says what you should do is learn to love being a moron <laughs> right <laughs> like, like she's like you should uh, just like get into the process it's like if you want to try something new obviously like unless you have a natural talent for it you're not going to be good at it at the start you're just going to keep on like yeah failing, humiliating yourself and just being kind of like crap at it. And the, the process of doing something new as an adult and not being good at it is just frustrating, right? Cause you're used to having mastery and control in many areas of your life. I obviously, you know, I am scared of failure as well, like everyone, but I'm not, I, I just want to have a crack at different things. Right. And see, mm. see what happens. Like even with this um, burlesque, right. It's, um, it's kind of putting yourself out there, right? Like I didn't, I just learned some classes online. With my teacher, Marie, who's awesome. You should go learn from her if you want to. She did a couple of classes. Um, she was beautiful, really encouraging. And then I started watching some YouTubes and I just really enjoyed it. I just practiced. Yeah, and I've been posting some videos. And like, look, I'm not the best. I'm probably like, it's probably quite awkward and embarrassing. But I thought if you put yourself out there, you keep trying, you keep being bad at it, but you probably will grow because you took a chance. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to just keep trying. To do that and just other things in my life. And if you're not feeling stupid at least once a week or something, you should be concerned because are you growing?
1: Yeah, wow. That's awesome. I'm wearing a seek discomfort hoodie. It's
0: uh, <laughs> cool.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing. Trying something new is 100% outside your comfort zone because you you're probably gonna fuck it up. You're probably gonna look like a goose, and that's yeah, that's not a nice feeling. And also, the comfort thing comes in because it's it's easy to turn towards things that you, you just know how it's gonna go. It's like, well, we could try this new place, or we could just go to this place that we know. We know what we're gonna get. Yeah, it's comfort versus discomfort. I love that. Hey, we need to get into a bad day though. What th- throws a spanner in the works for you?
0: Oh, okay. You know how sometimes you just wake up and you're just in a shitty mood some days?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Some, some days I just feel like, oh, I've been working so hard. I just feel freaking burnt out and mm-hmm. you just feel irritable. And you're like, everything sucks. I hate everything. And you just go like, you know, you have those days where you just have a cloud, like a haze over you. Yeah. And you just feel like you're not getting traction. You feel like you're doing the wrong thing. I guess like it that the, the bad day would be just like maybe an emotionally bad day where I can't focus.
1: Yeah, hell yeah. I'm reading a book at the moment by Jason Zook. It's called Own Your Weird. From the outside, just like looks like a crazy guy. He started an internet company where it was called IWearYourShirt.com. And so it was like getting companies and and he wore their shirt. Uh, And every day on the 1st of January, it was $1. 2nd January, uh, it was $2. And by the end of the, the year, it was like $365 to wear the shirt. And he's done a bunch of that. He's like sold his last name twice. Very weird, you know, but like super creative so i just want to know if the idea of owning your weird does that kind of resonate with you does that do anything for you
0: oh hell yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely i think you've got to find your inner weirdo and just get it out there
1: yeah how long have you been doing that for
0: oh probably my life ask my mom (laughs) yeah yeah like in in our family like my um well, yeah, my, I, maybe I talk about my parents like attachment issues, <laughs> but they're
1: really <laughs> pretty cool
0: people. <laughs> like my dad's really, he's he's a really free spirit. He's really unique. And I guess like, uh, yeah, another thing, it's like growing up Chinese Malaysian in Australia. I guess maybe people often assume you grew up in a very strict household that there were a lot of like you know rules on your tiger mum whatever. But I was really yeah lucky. My parents were just like really cool people. Their number one advice to me is just be cool, Michelle. God, you're being a loser. <laughs> Really? (laughs) No way. Yeah, like sometimes I think there's this Cantonese word because my parents are, they speak Cantonese to each other, ganjiong, which means being eager and highly strung in a really super uncool way.
1: Oh. Like,
0: oh, chill out. Yeah.
1: Wow, okay. So they're saying don't be ganjiong?
0: Yeah, good pronunciation. Yeah, they're like, just chill out. Take it easy. Enjoy your life.
1: Wow, that's so cool.
0: Yeah. It's been cool. Um, yeah, and, and I guess my siblings—they're really funny, and we're all weird. Like when we have family dinners, it's like we usually in non-ISO times. We'll go over to my parents once a week, and yeah, the conversation's really good because everyone is kind of doing their own thing. They're like really curious people, and we kind of troll each other. Yeah, so in, in my family, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's funny. The, the family dinners are really noisy because from a young age, I learned that if you're boring, you're just going to get talked over, and someone else is going to say something funnier. <laughs>
1: Oh, snap. I love that.
0: Yeah. So you got to, you know, you got to keep it cool, keep it interesting. But yeah, absolutely. I think we're all weird. No one knows what they're doing. <laughs> if someone thinks they know what they're doing, maybe they don't. Maybe they need to step back, you know?
1: Yeah. Hell Yeah. Yeah. Take a step back and uh, you're not as cool as you think you are. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Mate, absolutely awesome to talk to you. The first time we talked, I was blown away by like what you're creating with Same Page, but then also just the energy and the vibe that you bring. It's, it's nuts. And then when you had said that you had interviewed like a billion people for your app, I was like, where's the energy come from? amazing so kudos to you my friend oh
0: you're too kind basil
1: thank you <laughs> would you like to plug anything you're looking for suckers for for same page
0: hell yeah well Basil, one, one of the things with dating apps is have you ever been on like a new app and you go on and there's no one on it and you're just like i'm giving up on this
1: yes totally yes <laughs>
0: well what i want is by the time i launch whether that be six months a year i want to have at least Two to three thousand users sitting on there, waiting for go time for it to launch. Yeah. Because that it's a chicken and egg problem, right? You know.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: So, as many people as possible, I would love your listeners—single guys, single girls, whatever color, whatever stripe—I don't care. Just sign up for a beta test, and I will try to send set you up on a date. And if we are rolling it out, I'll put you on the waiting list, and I'll I'll, I'll keep you informed about when we can launch.
1: Boom! I love it. I love it absolutely amazing i'm pumped for the uh, escape room i think that that's that's (laughs) that's gnarly it's a gnarly first date in in real life yeah i'll be interested to see how you do it uh in the virtual
0: (laughs) fingers fingers crossed this escape room the theme is date night in melbourne
1: oh oh, cool very cool
0: like oh it's too real i miss melbourne (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) start off espresso martinis it's like
0: oh no like he had a beer at
1: the bartender. Mm, yeah. Oh, damn. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Mate, thank you so much for chatting to me. And um, I'm sorry, I think I was particularly scattered today.
0: No, it was great. It was real fun.
1: Michelle May Sweet Cheng, What a bloody legend. Aren't you inspired? I feel like Russell Crowe in the podcast version of The Gladiator. Are you not inspired? Is this not why you're here? That <laughs> oh, That I hope that's put some fuel in your tank It's definitely put some in mine I hope you're seriously considering Giving something a crack Whatever it is, give it a crack Thanks so much for spending your precious time With me doing this thing I know it sounds tried, and I know it's convention To thank you for listening I, w- I wish there was like a heart meter It would be maxing out right now Because I do actually, really Other qualifiers appreciate you Love you, bye.